you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Greetings and welcome to the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast Playoff Edition. Jason Smith alongside Adam Rank and Marcus Grant. We're going to go through all the big news going on in the NFL. Look back at the eliminated players from this past weekend. See what their fantasy values are for next year. Take a quick look at the Senior Bowl and a little bit of Pro Bowl draft talk. Let's kick things off with you guys who are doing phenomenal in the playoff challenge up until this past week. We had the Niners. It was so close, Rank. You were so you were this close from basically right. running the table for the third out of the fourth year, but the Niners fell just short. But that's that strategy still worked great for you. Yeah, just short. Now uh I don't have to keep playing, do I? I stopped making picks after the Chargers. <laughs> yes, pretty much. I hope I don't get an angry email or something when I'm in New York next week about like, where's your playoff challenge? I'm like, look, all my guys are gone. <laughs> I gave it a shot. You know what? I'm going down with the 49ers. But you know what? That's the way you, it seems like you play this game is just pick a team like that and then see what happens. I feel like Richard Sherman's rant was directed at you, actually. Was it? It was directed personally at you. It might have been. I don't think I've picked the Seahawks to win this entire playoffs. I think I picked the Saints. <laughs> I picked the Saints because I had picked the Saints to win in the beginning of the season, so I just wanted to keep going. No, that's that's not right. That doesn't sound like Because I would have hedged. That sounds like what, something that I do is hedge on those type of things. Like, well, one of them will be correct. Either I get it right this week or my preseason pick stands. It's probably what I did, but it doesn't matter. I've been picking against him, so yeah. So maybe <laughs> Richard Sherman was talking to me. Well, because you had the Seahawks last year, didn't I you did. pick them in the playoffs last year? I did. Yeah, they let me down last year, so I'm stung. I'm stung by Pete Carroll. You That's my whole thing. You have to stay away at this point. <laughs> well, and I like Pete Carroll. I used to cover him when he was uh, coaching USC, and I was at the Orange County Register. So I like him, but it's just I don't know for whatever reason I don't trust his teams, and I keep not trusting them. And they're I'm gonna probably gonna trust them. Not trust them to a Super Bowl title. Well, that was like your strategy last week. You said, you know, like the, the indie band guy who's on one team and then suddenly they become great and you move on to the next one. You were on Seattle last year and everybody's like, hey, Seattle's great, and you've moved on. Yeah, it's like uh, Mud Honey. Like when everybody, <laughs> when everybody became a fan of them. Now, Marcus, you also you were doing you were doing pretty well too, but the Niners got you too. No, they didn't actually. But in the playoff challenge, no, um, no, no. I, I mean, I mean, oh, yeah. personally, because you're a Niners yes, fan. Because I'm a Niners <laughs> fan. Which you know, it's funny because I didn't see the post game rant until the day after because I couldn't bother to watch it live. Dude, I, sixty million people watched that post game. I rant. know, and sixty million. It well, could have been sixty million and one, fifty nine million, <laughs> and you know, whatever. But um, yeah, no, the, you know what. I'm not surprised the way the game went. I felt like the Niners could go up there and win, but I also wasn't surprised when the Seahawks figured out a way to get it done. Um, you know, I'm I'm waiting for the new Colin Kaepernick narrative to start now. It it hasn't yet. Maybe when we get to the off season or next season, but I'm I, I'm thinking you're going to have this this Colin Kaepernick narrative of not being able to lead his team that he can do it with his legs, but he's not able to get it done with his arm. And, and it's two seasons in a row that the Niners have ended their year 
on fade patterns to Michael Crabtree in the corner of the end zone. Um, admittedly, this was a better throw than the one in the Super Bowl last year, but it, it, it it's kind of becoming this thing now that's, what, two postseasons in a row they've had the ball in the hands of Colin Kaepernick, and he hasn't quite gotten it done, so he should be prepared for the new Peyton Manning-type narrative whoa, coming Whoa, up. whoa, 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 whoa. No, because it's taken – Peyton Manning like 17 years before somebody <laughs> finally said like, hey, wait, he doesn't win in the playoffs. And then when he wins a November game in the cold, it was like, see, you guys are totally wrong. And all the Manning fanboys are at it now. I A lot of the Manning fanboys acted like he I, – I don't know if they're aware. Like, he didn't win the Super Bowl. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be breaking it to a number of you, but everybody, like these guys on Twitter, are like, oops, see, told you. I'm like, what would you say? Like, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. That's the thing. He has to win a Super but Bowl. But I do feel like Peyton slayed some dragons last week. I mean, it was – it's one, getting to the Super Bowl. First off, I thought, you know, the, the first win, because everybody talked about how bad he has been after getting – the bye in the playoffs, so he gets that first win uh, against the Chargers. Then he slays some dragons by taking down Brady and Belichick. So, you know, I understand why the why the fanboys are caping up a little bit for Peyton Manning, but yeah, you're right. He has not won a Super Bowl If yet. he would have dropped that fumble right on the opening <laughs> where he's bobbling the ball, and you oh. know, Peyton wanted to turn into Peyton Manning right there, and somehow... It's like the football gods super glued that like no nope, we're not gonna let you we're not gonna let you blow this in the opening moment because like if he fumbles that and it gets kicked around and Patriots, Patriots recover score it. it's over like the game would literally be over if uh, the the throw that he made to Welker that just kind of hung up there I don't know how that ball got through like what happened I have no idea how that ball got through like the pay like nobody's like oh like somebody I, I felt like one of the defensive coaches should have gone up to the defensive backs and been like. You can catch the ball. Like, you're allowed to do that. And if he tries that stuff against Seattle in the uh, elements, although the good thing about Paid Manning being in the Super Bowl is that it'll probably be 60 degrees and sunny at MetLife Stadium here a week from Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. I can wear shorts. I'm bringing shorts with me. But you're going to wear shorts at 60 degrees? You can play when it's less than 80 here in Los I don't Angeles. own pants. That's I'm <laughs> bringing shorts regardless. <laughs> I'm stunned that, that the Patriots didn't decide how many – Passes did Peyton Manning have to throw 15 yards and in before the Patriots coaching staff got together and said, okay, you know what, let's sell out, put the safeties inside 15 yards, and let Peyton, if you can throw it past our cornerbacks and throw it 25 yards, go ahead and do it. Because he couldn't do it. He was not very accurate. Everything was – everything is – his all throws were all bunch plays near the line of scrimmage. Throws were all 15 yards and in because for whatever reason, whether it's the cold, whether it's, you know, his arm is not as lively as it was, he can't throw the ball long. And he's, he's throwing rainbows and dropping the ball in the pickle barrel. And I'm watching going, at some point, Belichick, they got a clue in, right? They have to. Uh, you would think so. I mean, although I do think they were really worried, especially after Tlaib went out, uh, that Dennard was getting torched by Demarius Thomas. I mean, yeah. Alfonso Dinner just couldn't stay with Demarius Thomas. And I think I think the, the fear was if we give Peyton enough shots, he's going to hit a couple of them. But you're right. When he was going downfield, he wasn't very accurate. He was throwing balls out of bounds. He was overthrowing. But I think they just felt like we can't keep giving him opportunities. It was the second consecutive year you talk about the 49ers season ending with fade passes to Michael Crabtree. Second consecutive year, the AFC championship game has turned – on an injury to Aqib Tlaib. Not saying the Patriots would have won either one of those games, but it, in both instances, you're like, you know what? 
their chances are greatly diminished. Yeah. yeah, and their body language, the Patriots, was was almost like when they come off the field, like you see, like they had horrible body language the entire game. They looked listless. They looked almost like they were resigned to the fact that we come off the field and we're not going to see the football for five or six minutes. Because Peyton was t- – they weren't getting points, but they were driving the football, taking time off the clock, and it's like, the well, okay, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. It, w- it was crazy that for a team – for the Patriots to come out that way because you never thought that would happen to New England. They would come out and try – it's not like the if, the – if the Broncos came out and had two touchdowns in the first four minutes and suddenly it's 14 nothing at home and you're thinking, okay, it's just one of those days. But it's 3 nothing midway through the second quarter. Right. Right. You know, I, what I thought was interesting with, with the Broncos, and we've seen it the last two weeks, is that what they've done in the playoffs has been very different than what they did in the regular season, where in the regular season they were – it was kind of basketball on grass. You know, we're going to get the ball, we're going to run down the field, we're going to score. They're not as high-tempo, as up-tempo as, as, say, Philadelphia, but the Broncos are putting up points at a pretty good rate during the regular season. In the last couple of games, they've been a lot more about ball control, keeping the other offense on the sidelines, and playing really good defense. It's, it's almost like – they were just holding this back until they got to the postseason. All right, we're going to look back at some of the players who were eliminated this past week. Next week, the big Super Bowl preview week. Adam Rank will give us his Super Bowl pick at the end of the podcast. We'll wait and uh, give a big drum roll for you there. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned Colin Kaepernick, and uh, people are going to have questions about him going into next season. The first thing people are going to think is, well, Joe Montana was right. He does have trouble throwing <laughs> from the pocket. But, Marcus, I mean, you, you see Kaepernick, you know him better than anybody else, being the Niners fan you are. Is that is there a more of a ceiling for him, or is this the quarterback he is? Because he has to run the football to be – effective is he ever going to become that great pocket passer where he's going to be accurate in addition to being able to run the football I mean I think there's a little more of a ceiling there I'm not sure how much more we're going to see from Colin Kaepernick that we haven't already seen I think that the two biggest things I mean obviously his pocket presence is going to be one thing um I'm waiting for Colin Kaepernick to learn how to throw a changeup. Um, you know, and, and so much is made of his arm strength. I mean, that, that touchdown pass he threw to Anquan Bolden was unreal. Just on the move, the jump pass and throwing a laser beam to the back of the end zone was phenomenal. But there are so many touch passes that he misses because I think all he has is that 90-mile-an-hour fastball, and I think that will, will dictate a lot of where his ceiling is. I, you know, at some point, I also think the Niners need to just let him be who he is. I mean, we saw during the regular season that they really kept a leash on him. They kept him in the pocket. They didn't have him run as much. We saw more of that later in the year. We saw a lot of it in the playoffs, and, and that was really where he was most effective. And I think for his you know, for his development as a quarterback and, and certainly for his fantasy value, I think if the Niners just leave him alone, let him be who he is, I think at least from a fantasy perspective, that's going to do a lot for, for his value. Where are you going to – about ballpark? I know we have the whole offseason to go through rankings-wise, but ballpark, where do you think you're going to have Ka- Kaepernick going into the next season, Rank? Well, thankfully to people like Joe Montana, he's going to fall in our fantasy <laughs> rankings. First of all, Joe Montana can keep his mouth shut because there's a number of people out there who still contend that Joe Montana was trying to throw the ball away in the 1981 <laughs> NFC Championship game, but he didn't have the arm to get it there. And Joe Montana went back the following season, and the 49ers were, what, 3-6 and six in the strike short, short in 82. So if Drew Pearson doesn't get tackled from behind by Eric Wright, the Cowboys win that game. Yep. The 49ers go 3-6 and six the following season. Now Bill Walsh might lose his job or whatever, and history could be different. So I don't want to hear it from Joe like Montana. like an abbreviated NFL, actually. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, I, I really just don't want to hear it from Joe Montana. Colin Kaepernick was in his second year as a starter. He's learning how to play quarterback. I know a lot of people were spoiled by some of these guys who've come out and done pretty well out of the gate. But even then, Andrew Luck has made some mistakes. 
Russell Wilson almost made a, a critical mistake in the very first play of the NFC Championship game. So these young guys are still learning on the job. Give him a little bit of time. I mean, he's got the running game down. Like you said, the jump passes, the athleticism that he brings puts him ahead. And if he does, if it's the happy Gilmore, oh, somebody learned how to putt. <laughs> you can never learn that. If you can get those, if you can get those dump, dump offs down, he gets a full season with Crabtree, regardless of what Richard Sherman thinks of him. If he gets a full season from Crabtree, Bolden, Vernon Davis, they bring something else in. This team doesn't need a lot of retooling. Colin Kaepernick's going to be fine. He's going to fall in the draft. I'll pick him up. I'll be very happy with him next year. You know, it's funny you bring the, the point about Bill Walsh because those first two seasons, they were awful. Like, he was he was trying to put in this revolutionary style of offense, and he only won, I think, eight games in his first two years. So you talk about eight games in your first two years. Then you get to the NFC Championship game, but then you're back to earth at three and six after a strike year. Right. That, that's how history could really change because then it, Walsh could have been out. It's like, all right, you had four years. To really get this going, you took a huge step back after one year where you took everybody by surprise. Right. Very true. And it's, you know, yeah. And that's just the way it's so easy to look back now and look back at Joe Montana's body of work with the four Super Bowls. There were some years where he looked awful. You know, the 85, you know, some of the Bears teams made him. I mean, I know that he gave the Bears problems, but there were some years where they looked pretty ordinary where the Giants made them yeah. look ordinary, where the Bears made them look ordinary. So it's easy to sit back and be like, oh, yeah, Montana greatest of all time. But he did have some lean years. And you're looking at Colin Kaepernick in his first two seasons as a starter, first like year and a half as a starter, he's taken his team to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game. I think that's pretty good. I think Joe Montana can save it and give his criticism. <laughs> like He can't throw. Why do you want to label this guy after such a short uh, sample size. He's got all. He's got all this talent. I've I I watched him plenty when he was in college at Nevada. He's going to be fine. He's going to only get better. He's working with Jim Harbaugh. He's going to be great. And he. But again, because Joe Montana is coming out, and everybody wants to be like, oh nope, this guy. He obviously can't. Yeah, he obviously can't do it. After getting his team to the NFC Championship game for the second year in a row. I'm waiting for Elvis Gerback to weigh in on this. <laughs> <laughs> when do we hear from Elvis Gerback? Well, part of it's also with Montana is anytime it always all these uh, quotes from players who played in the past always come to intinged with, well, when I played, when football was really a game, no matter what sport it is, it right. comes across <laughs> the way. There's, a, there's at least a 25% makeup of any, any older player who's been out of the game that wants to talk about the old days saying this is when it was great well of course it was great because it's when you were younger it's when you know you were you were playing football and you were a star of course life was better i'm gonna say that when i'm you know 60 65 you know i'll tell you you know when i was doing the podcast with rank and marcus that was a podcast these podcasts now <laughs> they actually deliver food to you and all this kind of stuff so it's a crazy podcast i mean i listened to ddfp number 7427 the other day and i'll tell you the stuff they did was crazy i mean that, that, we're gonna do that that podcast went down after you know number 2355 you know just it it's, it hasn't been the same podcast. Well, that big that big list that uh, that, that they did on TV, the top ten podcasts and the top ten <laughs> numbers of the podcast was a big deal too. Very true. I Very mean, Rank left after podcast five thousand two hundred sixty five, and that was a big one. <laughs> that was a milestone for sure, and it went downhill after that. But you're absolutely right; these players get too. Locked in. Did people even care about football in the 80s? I'm not old enough to remember it, but <laughs> did people, was it a big, like, wasn't, ba when was, baseball was number one for how long? Or basketball was bigger? And like, when did football, like, really take off? Like, probably in the uh, 90s? Sometime in the 90s. When probably the Cowboys right, became right, good Probably again. right after baseball went on strike, I would think, is probably when like football 94. Kind of 
So really, it. Montana, nobody cares about your 80s 49ers. <laughs> yeah. they, started <laughs> tele- they started televising the games in the 90s, which was a big deal for NFL. That right. Was, that was a big thing. Right. Uh, now, you talked about Crabtree, and obviously Frank Gore, who we found out played most of the NFC type championship game when he was in there with a broken hand. What about these guys' values for next year? Every year we think Frank Gore, all right, I'm not drafting Frank Gore. He's going to fall off the map. And every year Frank Gore still is a fantasy stud, at least a high end number two. This, I, I said coming into this year that this, is the, this was still the year you could count on Frank Gore. Everybody said he's 30, he's, you know, he's had a lot of work, he's wearing down. I said, this year you can still believe in Frank Gore. Next year is when Frank <laughs> Gore falls off. So I'm sticking to that. Next year is the year that Frank Gore t- takes a step back a little bit. I think you'll see him kind of as a mid to lower level number two running back uh, from a fantasy perspective. I, I just feel like the Niners realize that you know for all the good work he's done for them, they do have to start transitioning out. And You saw it later in the year this year with Kendall Hunter getting more work. I think every now and then you'll see LaMichael James. You have to keep in mind, Marcus Lattimore will be available for them next year. He basically had the NFL equivalent of a red shirt this year after that that terrible injury he suffered at the end of uh, his career at South Carolina. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Lattimore get a lot more work in training camp and in the preseason. And I think the Niners love what he can bring athletically. I just think this is this will be the year you start to see Frank Gore see a little less work in that offense. Yeah, somebody will grab him because of the name value and let him. Go ahead. He's not yeah, it's not somebody that I would want to trust. What about Crabtree going into the next season? Despite I, despite the sorriness that Richard Sherman says. <laughs> no, I like I mean I, I think he's a good a pretty good uh number 2 option for you. He's you know, he's in that mid-range full season with Colin Kaepernick, full season healthy. I think he could be very good. Will he fall a little bit? I, I think people are going to say, "Okay, you had a he had a you know, nice comeback at the end of the regular season in the playoffs, but that's when a lot of people, all right, if I'm out of the my fantasy playoffs, I'm not going to pay as much attention. He might fall an extra round or two because of that." But because he played so long in the last play of the NFC Championship game or at least offensively for the 49ers, that notwithstanding, people still saw what Michael Crabtree can do. He he might be somebody who moves up draft boards. As we start talking about this next year, we're into June and July. The buzz is going to start growing about Michael Crabtree, about him playing a full season, him and Kaepernick being able for the first time really to come in and have a full off season together work out together and do all that stuff. The buzz for him is going to be very strong headed into next year. I mean, I would take him ahead of Joe Mauer because he's the best catcher. Yeah, oh, true. Going yeah. Right now. Well, so, Joe Mauer is also on the downside of his career. That's now, true. So that's that's true. Uh, look, the other team eliminated, of course, was the New England Patriots. And now going into the next season, questions about a lot of fantasy values, none bigger than Tom Brady. He had a bad five-week stretch, a horrendous five-week stretch that could potentially have killed you in fantasy. But then he bounced back after that. He was tremendous, especially when Rob Gronkowski came back. Where are you going to have him ranked next year? I know, rank. I know. Now you're, you know, you can't quit Tom Brady. You probably have him number one. <laughs> I but. have him. Well, I have him in at least one keeper league, so that's good. And yeah, I'd be very comfortable with Tom Brady if you if you figure Rob Gronkowski is going to be able to go at the beginning of the season. That will help out. Hopefully, some of these receivers actually, you know, once Julian Edelman started picking it up, then Tom Brady started playing a lot better. So as long as Julian Edelman comes back. Danny Amendola is somebody I don't think you can ever trust. So, But Tom Brady's shown, like, it doesn't really matter who the receivers are. He can go out and play with just about anybody. Uh, you know, I, I'm i so torn on Tom Brady. I feel like coming You're into hedging, next season. You're hedging, I can tell. I am hedging. I feel like coming into next season, he's going to be one of those guys right around somewhere between 8 and 11 when it comes to the quarterback rankings next year. And, and you know, my fear 
kind of came true this year with Tom Brady is that he is a guy who can win you football games, but can he win you fantasy games? And he had that awful stretch in the middle of the season when we were talking about, you know, do you drop him? Do you trade him? What do you do with him? And, and I just think that, um, you know, until there are some more weapons in the passing game, and I'm, I, I just don't trust Rob Gronkowski to be ready at the start of the year, and I don't trust him to be the guy that we've seen the last couple of years because of injury. I think Brady is a guy who, you know, will continue to be a very good quarterback in terms of wins and losses. I don't know that he's going to be a great quarterback in terms of, of your fantasy prospects. But when Shane Vereen came back, that's really when he started to come and play a lot better. Mm, that's true. Now, you mentioned Edelman, and let, let's say, obviously, there could be some changes this offseason. Who knows what's going to happen? Danny Amendola's got a lot of money, but the Patriots will continue to retool as they've always done. Mm-hmm. If this is the same offense going into next year, how high are you drafting Julian Edelman? I would take him as my second receiver. I, I like him. It's hard, to, it's, it's hard to really put a round value. I always hate to do that because each draft is different. Strategies of all the different owners in your fantasy leagues are going to be different with people who are going to go running back heavy. Some leagues go quarterback. Like if you play with some – I played in leagues where everybody just goes quarterback, like even though it we, it goes against our advice and everything. But I, I see him as a solid number two receiver, somebody that, that you can go out and count on to, to get a lot of targets, and that what you're, that's what you're looking for a lot of these times. Targets, opportunities, somebody who's getting – looks especially in the red zone so he's a solid wide receiver too for me i mean he became the west welker replacement that we all thought danny amendola was going to be at the start Absolutely. of the year i mean it, it, it turned into edelman he was the guy you know when dobson was struggling and tompkins was hurt and gronkowski was out edelman became the guy that brady felt like he could trust in just about every situation especially on third downs and in the red zone now you said trust so as far as the Patriots running backs go, but we saw LeGarrette Blunt say this week he wants to remain a Patriot. Of course he wants to remain. He scored four touchdowns and, and was, was crazy a week ago. Going into next season, you have Blunt coming off the big postseason. He filled in a few times this year and had some okay games, but it was, he was, never got the football as the number one. Stephen Ridley couldn't hold on to the ball. Shane Vereen wasn't healthy. So you have all these question marks. Now, going into next season, everybody's going to be healthy. They'll have these same three guys. And now I, I look at this where I go, I don't know that I can draft any of them. Because it, it, you, people are going to want to draft them. Will, will I draft maybe the one that's left? like in the ninth or 10th round. if someone takes Stephen Ridley and Shane Vereen, people are going to lay off LeGarrette Blunt. So mm-hmm. if he's available in the 10th or 11th round, I'm looking for depth at running back. I'll take a flyer on Blunt. Maybe he becomes the guy because he's a guy you're probably going to wave sometime in your first two, three weeks anyway. But early in the draft, I, I don't know that I can take any of these guys. Not early, early. no. But no, you, once you start filling out your roster and you have your, you know, your two running backs, your two receivers, tight end, everything that you've got going on, then you can start taking – taking on risks like these guys. And I look at LeGarrette Blunt pretty similarly to the way that we looked at Sean Moreno last year. A lot of people didn't regard Sean Moreno as a number one running back. They talked about Ronnie Hillman. Monty Ball came up, and, you know, everybody's like, nope, Sean Moreno, his best seasons are behind him, even though he's still a relatively young guy. But then you take Sean Moreno in, like, the 11th round. Then he comes in. He becomes the number one guy. He carried a lot of fantasy teams. So I look at LeGarrette Blunt in the same way. It's like once I have my starters locked in, why not take a chance on LeGarrette Blunt? Because there, there is an opportunity for him 
to be a number one guy. I am curious to see what they do with some of the guys in the backfield if they make some some moves there. You know whether or not Stephen Ridley uh, is going to be around. I mean, don't forget there's there's also Brandon Bolden who you know came came in and, and had some nice plays for the, for that offense this year too. So y- you always have to worry that that Belichick is going to shift things up and move things around on you. But I, I'm with Adam. I, I mean, I think I think you can take a risk or take a chance on some of these guys later in your draft. Don't don't count on any one of them to be your primary back. You're not. It may not be a guy you're starting every week, but it's nice to know you've got Legarrette Blunt on the on the bench in the event that the Patriots decide they want to give him 25 carries in a week. All right, other big news in the NFL this week, and, and this could affect fantasy depending how this gets passed. Commissioner Roger Goodell talked about the elimination of extra points, saying, look, we saw five extra points missed this season. It's just about as automatic a play as you want to. He wants to create more drama on every play. So talking about the abolishment of extra points, one idea he floated out there was a touchdown could be worth seven points. If you get the extra point from play from scrimmage, you could get eight. If you miss it, you go back to six. So there's certain things that could go out there that we're trying to figure out what to do with the extra point. What's the best way? If you're going to abolish extra points and you're going to make something else after the touchdown, is it another play from scrimmage? Is it a further kick from the kicker? What, what What's the best thing? Uh, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind the two-point conversion play. I think it'd be interesting. I thought, you know, I, I know that uh, I think Pro Football Talk kind of put their list of, of suggestions out. What I thought was interesting was have the player that scored the touchdown be the person to kick the extra point. <laughs> so you get rid of the kicker. And so, you know, like every now and then, like, you know, if you get like a fat guy touchdown, you know, a, a fumble recovered in the end zone. And so then you have your your left tackle kicking the extra point or you get your running backs or whatever kicking the extra point. Um that certainly makes it less automatic if all of a sudden you've got Jamal Charles lining up to kick for you. And, you know, I think that adds a little bit of intrigue to it. Why do you got to hate on Seabass? <laughs> <laughs> I want to start the movement right now. Hashtag save Seabass. Because <laughs> I find this personally offensive. I don't like it. I don't like fooling around. Why are you messing with it? Like you have, you have the number one game. Like you smoke all the other competition. Like nobody's close. NASCAR, blah, basketball, baseball. So far in the rearview mirror, now this is your grand. Like why are you even messing around? I hate when people do this kind of stuff. It's almost like when your wife sees you sitting there being happy. So she just comes up and makes you do something just because she can't stand it. Like, oh, you look very happy sitting there watching Archer. Can you move the bikes inside? Like, what did, what did I do? Did this smile on my face personally offend you that you had to go out and make me do? Why are you doing? Who cares? Like, the extra point's fine. Here's what you, you want to make it better. How about no commercials after the extra point? How about no commercials after the kickoff? That that would that, make it good. That would be nice. Get rid of the commercials. You're fine. You know what? That's the that's what I would like eliminated. The the extra point is good for me, but the commercials kickoff. Okay, extra point three commercials kickoff three commercials. <laughs> Boom! Don't do it. Run in the ticker. Soccer's found a way to master this. That's if you really want to improve the game. If you're worried about the experience, that's the one. Just roll roll the scroll. Coca-Cola, or excuse me, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi scroll. That's right there. (laughs) Whatever the three commercials are. And a lot of people now, you know, we talked about this before the show started, where you start uh, television shows about 20 minutes in, so you can just fast forward through all the commercials. I did that this year with uh, the Patriots and Broncos game. And it 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 was a tough thing because I was watching a 
WWE not, not the AFC Championship. No, no, no. The, one, the, 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 the Sunday week, Night week right, 12 right. or whatever it was. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a dodgy proposition because I'm tweeting during the WWE pay-per-view about like, hey, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. And so then you would see tweet like people would be like, oh, my God, can you believe what's going on? And you're like, oh, wait, something weird's happening in the football game. So I had to turn off Twitter. But that was the best way to watch a game because then you're like, oh, geez. So we we went through that whole thing and it took me about an hour. <laughs> to watch the game. So you just turn off all your social media. So that's the way. If you want to – so I guess that's a, a weird way of saying that's my solution. But that is my solution. Yeah, so, and the, the announcers could even read the commercials. Read the commercials. Hey, okay, while we're waiting for the teams to come back out, be sure to purchase a Diet Pepsi this week <laughs> for your chance to see Bruno Mars at the Super Bowl like along minor, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Be like, by the way, be like minor league baseball. You can do ads for like, you know, Joe's vinyl siding and stuff, too. It'd be Brought to you by Valvoline. By Valvoline. Yeah, there it is. Isn't that, that like if you look at the old like Martin and Lewis shows like that's they would have they would literally perform commercials as part of their show. Yeah. Like, you know what? Here's the thing, too. If you get rid of if you get rid of the commercials, especially the ones after the kickoffs, go ahead. You can sew a Diet Pepsi patch on a jersey. <laughs> I don't care. Like that's that's an affordable like because people who want to get all offended by things like that because if you see, like, soccer kits or whatever. You know, it's always, that's, hap- that's happening eventually, right? It's, a, it's already We're, made its way to the practice jersey. We should, be, we should be more proactive as fans and be like, okay, well, we know this is coming. Let's get some of our trade-offs. Like, no, no, no. Get rid of this commercial block, and you can put Diet Pepsi on the side of the the, the empty side of the Steelers helmet. So you'd have the Steelers <laughs> thing here, and you have the Diet Pepsi logo, boom, right there. Done and done. Well, I, I I love that idea. And then Seabass still has a job. Well, Seabass, this is this is such a thing. This is such a you know. And I don't want to get political, but you're taking you're taking food away from people. Seabass, <laughs> these guys are employed. You're taking jobs away from these guys. They went to college. They went. They worked hard to make it to the NFL. And you want to get rid of specialists? All right, well, get rid of the uh, Nickelback. What's next? <laughs> What's next? Well, first of all, Seabass wouldn't. I, I think you're worried about Seabass for no reason because if it was a case where, as Marcus said, you have to have the player score the touchdown, kick the extra point. They'll just give him the football on the one-yard line and let him I'd run in. I'd love to see it. He's bigger than anybody. I'd love to see it. And where, where, where does it stop, man? Where does it stop? <laughs> uh, first, it's point after touchdowns. Then it's field goals. And then it's going to come down to, like, you know what? Nobody's scoring touchdowns. That's what it's going to Like, how do we keep scoring? We're not doing it, man. That's just the way it is. I don't know. I don't know about field goals because I think we can always add the rock and jock element and just have them. You know, we can have the twenty point field goal, which you know would make things interesting. Hey, you want to line Seabass up from sixty five, and you can get you know eight points out of it. Why not? That they should fun. make the the goal post like a giant net. Like you can't go too high, mm-hmm. so you like you have a top to it. So you have to like kick it through. That would and be then, interesting. See, that would see. There'll be a lot of missed field goals. It'll be guys, I didn't have to jump to block that kick. He kicked it right <laughs> in my stomach. See? But then again, why are you messing? It's fine the way it is. Everything's good. Wait, is the NFL number one? Yes, it is. All right. We're not gonna mess with it. We're good. You don't need to make uh, here's what you want to do. If you want to do it, that Navarro Bowman play, that's see, that's the whole thing. This whole the the whole thing about like we might get rid of the extra points is kind of disguising the uh Hey, what happened to Navarro Bowman, the guy who came down with the ball? Like, no, no, no. This is how – this is like – it's such a thing to like – it's such a – like, we'll get them on another talking point. Like, uh, we're going to – you know, they're going to like, 
we're going to let receivers wear single-digit numbers. So then everybody always goes and talks about that. Or just throwing anything out there that kind of be like, oh, yeah, remember the Navarro bump? Like, that's the thing. You want to enhance it? How about we could review that? How about that's a review? They, should, the, they should all be – all, all turnover plays should be reviewed. The there should be no early whistles. Should should Harbaugh – see, if you do no early whistles, then every time the ball's on the ground, some wise guy is going to pick it up and run 80 yards the other <laughs> way. Like, there's no whistle. i got to make sure – and then it's a scoring play, so then it's got to be reviewed. You don't want to go crazy. But what about the thing with the uh, running into the punter where Harbaugh's like, hey um, – he ran into the, he ran into his plant leg. That should be a penalty. Why can't he review that? Like, if there's so many other things that can be reviewed. Why not that? Why not like you guys missed the? I mean, you're human, but we have replay technology. Why can't we? Because it, it it's more it, it's more frustrating to have the technology and not use it than to actually you know just have it like oh well that plays reviewable but not this one like that you know how everybody in the stadium can see that Navarro Bowman. Not only like he caught the ball out of midair and then laid down on the ground. Yeah, he held it like he had possession of it, and like he should have been down. The play should have been over right there. And then a guy sitting there with a broken leg, some Seahawk came and took it from him. <laughs> like that's fair, yeah. but let's get rid of the extra points. Yeah. You know, but that, but that's the thing about replay is that tell me any, and, and it took baseball forever to decide. Okay, we'll have replay. Tell me anything else in the world. That we have the technology for, and we say, no, I'm not going to use it. Oh, I've no, got one. <laughs> I've got Besides one. the NFL. Oh, no. Are, are you going to watch the Super Bowl this year? I, I think I plan to, yeah. Okay, is there a roof over that stadium? <laughs> no, no. You have the technology <laughs> to build the retreat. That, that, that's Says the, the man thing. who's going to have to be out there in it this that's week. That's the thing that drives me crazy. The Angels lost, and I'm uh, the Angels lost in 2009. ALCS because the Yankees wouldn't put a, a, a roof over their stupid ballpark <laughs> and everybody, it's, 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 why would you do it? No, 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 you, you blew up the house that Ruth built at that point. You've lost any, any claim to like, uh, we're tradition. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> when you built a stadium to build thousands of dollars from people, from corporations, so they could buy those stupid seats behind home plate that nobody ever goes and sits in at Yankee Stadium, then you've lost it. You cannot do it. Never put a, you can never put a dome over uh, Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, because they've kept their stadiums. But once you went to modern technology with all the bells and whistles, then you know what? You've lost your right to say no roof, put a roof over it, because you have the technology to have a retractable roof. And that's the thing that bothers me. So, yes, that's where you have technology <laughs> and people don't use it. Because everybody's like, well, that's – I'm like, well, you know, we didn't have outhouses. You know, there was outhouses like 100 years ago. You put in indoor plumbing. Where, where, why do you stop with the roof? Do you not do – like, why, why do you have a floor in your house? Like, go old school. Like, to have, have a dirt floor. You should have been a carpenter. You've, you've been saving this up for a while, haven't you? <laughs> no, he just like, asked. This is 2009. Right? This is and 2009. This has been building yeah. for a while. <laughs> it drives me crazy. That's, like, the number one thing of any stadium being built anywhere, being like, oh, you guys, if it's in bad weather, if it's in a bad weather area, which is pretty much anything outside of Southern California and San Diego, you put a roof. Even San Francisco is getting pretty doggone close to, like, nah. You might need to put a roof over this thing. It's a little thing. Okay, you're, you're close. You're pushing it. Seattle? Like, what? Like, I don't get it. You have the technology to have roofs that open and close. Wait, I We've thought Safeco had a roof over it. Safeco does, I think but it does, the, right? the, 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 the link doesn't. Oh, yeah, well. Like, it's old school. Like, it's not old school. 
No, no, no. We've we've long moved past that. Check Adam Rank's website, Roofs Across America, <laughs> for when you get your roof across your stadium. But you're asking, like, that's what it is. It's like, well, if you want to ignore technology, like, there it is. You could put a roof over a stadium <laughs> in a cold place. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't. You had two NF. You had two teams contributing to one stadium, and you couldn't like, hey. Uh, Nobody, not one person. I feel like I was the only guy. Like, are they going to put a roof over that thing? <laughs> like, even the what the the uh, the Mets' original proposal for their stadium, which was supposed to go somewhere near the Hell's Kitchen type area, I think, because it was by the tunnel where they were going to put the Olympic Stadium. That one was going to have a roof, and then like the Giants were able to be like, no, 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 we don't. Why would we want a roof? Why would we want our fans to be comfortable? <laughs> why would we want them to enjoy their experience? Like. The Bengals weren't selling out their their uh, playoff game. It's like, why aren't they selling it out? Like, you've been outside in Cincinnati. Because it's the negative cold, thirty right? degrees. Yeah. Because people now have televisions and high def TVs that you can sit at home and, and watch heaters. your games and be like, okay, do I want to go sit out in the cold with all the with all the you know with all the wind and the rain and everything? Like, nope, nope. That's like, I don't know. It just bugs me. I, I can't tell. <laughs> All right, let's get to the Senior Bowl here for a couple. We've got Senior Bowl and Fantasy Pro Bowl draft to get to here and the rest of the podcast. Maybe nobody has more at stake coming up Senior Bowl this weekend. You get coverage on it right now on NFL.com, talking about the players for the NFL draft. Derek Carr is right now right around, projected right around the 10th overall pick. And there's a lot at stake for him. You know, we talked about before the show coming off a bad bowl game, but another bad performance could really force his stock to drop. Do you like the fact that he's playing this game, Marcus? I do. I, I think he really needs to, to kind of answer some questions after that. And, and look, I, this is a guy I watched for a long time. I mean, I, I spent some time in Fresno, and I follow the program, and I watched him a lot over his, his four years there at Fresno State. Uh, I think in terms of, of physical ability, he has all the gifts. I mean, he's a big guy. He's got a good, strong arm. Uh, he can be accurate when you give him time. But the one question that came up after the bowl game is, what is he going to do in the face of pressure? And SC got a lot of pressure on him with their, their rush up front. Uh, their corners were very physical with the wide receivers, and he struggled. He wasn't accurate. He, he looked like he was kind of chucking and ducking a, a little bit there. And I think this week uh, at the Senior Bowl – is going to be his chance to prove that he can stand in in the face of pressure, that he can continue to be accurate. I think once he proves that, then I think he's a guy who, who slides nicely into the, maybe the first half of the first round. Then suddenly he's got fantasy value. He does have a little bit of fantasy value. See, I don't think he should have played once Fresno State was eliminated from the BCS. <laughs> Like, I wouldn't have played in the uh, Las Vegas Bowl. I'd been like, nah, I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> I would have came up with a hamstring injury or something. Even now, I would go to the Senior Bowl practice, impress the coaches, and then right at the end be like, you know what, my hamstring. I don't, I, I don't think I can give it a go. And then suddenly show up at the combine like, nope, my hamstring's great. Yeah, and look, see, that, hey, I can hey, run. I can <laughs> run. Why, why go and disprove it? It's one of those things like a uh, – what is the thing that they say about wisdom? Like, a fool – I don't know. I'm going to miss this quote. We can edit that, right? No, no, no. Keep it. Why open? But why open your mouth and erase all doubt? Why show people that you might not be able to play? Because you did enough good things at Fresno State to where after that game they lost to who was it? San Jose, San Jose State? State. I would have been like, you know what? We're good. We're good. Uh, I've done what I've because you're you're in college to get a better job. I think that's why everybody is going to college is to get a better job in the future. And you you've done so well. Why go? See, it's like if you have a 4.0 grade point average and you have enough credits to graduate, why would you take that econ class and risk it 
and get a C, and then there goes your perfect. Or you grades. could sign up for History of Jazz and just kind of cruise through. Film music, yes. There you go. Music 355 at Cal State Fullerton. There Anybody, all the Cal State Fullerton students listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> I want you to go sign up for Dr. Tim's film music. Music 355, <laughs> automatic A. I've still got the test, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, I, had, I had history of the horror film in Syracuse. Wow. That was pretty cool. What a joke. Yeah, that was pretty That's cool. That's a class. We were a big communication school. We would go on Wednesday night, and we'd watch a horror movie. And then Thursday night, we'd spend the first half of class breaking down the movie, and then the second half watching... Another movie, and then we'd come back to the next class. We'd break it down to that's all we did for the entire semester. Huh. Final, think... final night, the, the professor said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna watch a movie now." And uh, let me go turn it on. He went in the projector booth, and the lights went out. And then he heard like kind of scuffling, and he was like, "Ooh!" And everybody's kind of laughing. And then the spotlight came on, and he's dressed up like Michael Myers, and he jumped in front of a bunch of people <laughs> in the front of the class. Like, I went, "Wow, that was awesome!" I don't remember anything in my other classes, but that's what I remember. What is this clown college you went to? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's we're undefeated a, in college basketball this I, year. I feel, like, I feel like here's how Syracuse orientation goes in. Everybody walks into the carrier dome like, look, we're not going to teach you anything. <laughs> but we're going to bilk your parents for all their money for four years. We're going to tell everybody it's this great school. Don't blow the scam. And, Jason, you just blew the scam. <laughs> and you let everybody in on it. So in, at Syracuse, they did, I want an investigation now. Nobody in Syracuse no, it's, goes it's, to it's class. It's 20 years ago. It's Oh, I didn't go to class. I, I, I know I went to less than <laughs> half of my classes. That's I went to joke. less than half of my classes. It was, I remember first, first semester, it was, oh, I'll sign up for 8.30 classes because I went to school at 8 o'clock in, in high school, and that was yeah. fine. I get an extra half hour to sleep. Forget you it. You had people forcing Forget you to it. get up in high school. Oh, there was ne- yeah, it was never happening. Yeah. Never happening. That's a joke. <laughs> but I wouldn't draft Derek Carr next season. All right, well, the thing oh, is, there's my fantasy from, advice. From, from a fantasy perspective, or just have, if you're the Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> you're going to have to draft somebody because there's going to be 11 quarterbacks taken in the first 12 picks. There's going to be big turnover, and trying to find out the, the one couple guys with fantasy value is going to be a big deal. I think, oh. the, I think the guy who will be the biggest wild card in the draft will be Teddy Bridgewater. I think, you know, because you've got this, you've got such a wide range of opinions on this guy from he can be a star and he can go like high in the first round to, you know, teams saying that he's not a first day guy at all. Um, I think whatever happens with Teddy Bridgewater over the next few weeks or so is going to impact a whole lot of other guys in the draft. He's wild, gonna, card. wild card! Wild card! <laughs> <laughs> He's going to fall. He's the, the Texans are going to end up going defense. St. Louis is going to have to either go offensive line. The Jags will go Sammy Watkins. And then there's Johnny Football. At number four to the Browns, Bridgewater maybe to five. Which, by the way, that coaching is still open for you in Cleveland. Why? Why do they look at just Gase turned down turned Gase down turned the, down. to interview for the job? Gase is really? like, I don't even want to interview, and I'm I'm willing to do it. Like, could I be any worse than what Michael Lombardi's done to that franchise? <laughs> I what like I even I knew like dude, I wouldn't have touched Devon Bass over for anybody, and I and I root for the University of Hawaii in football. And I knew better. But it, it, the Browns have gone the last – since they've been rebooted, they've gone the route of hiring football people. What has it done for them? <laughs> hiring football coaches, they're not winning any games. You go out, you find a gamer like myself who has some new ideas, a new way to look at the NFL. What, what's, what are the Browns going to lose? What, are you going to become a laughing stock? What do you think is <laughs> happening now? This again. This is this is the thing. This is this is the, this is like what Rogers doing with the oh we might get rid of the extra points to to kind of mask some of the things I don't want people talking about. 
you go out and hire me, everything else just goes away. Like nobody will remember that you traded for Devon Bass or what else is going on with that organization. All of the, the entire focus will be on what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you what, and this, is, this isn't posturing or anything. I say I would win eight games first season. I could, I could get that team to eight wins. I have no. Why are you laughing? Because I'm, I thought the first thing I'm going to do is put a roof on the stadium. I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> if we if we build a new stadium, <laughs> there will be a roof. I guarantee it. Uh, but that's it. I, I feel I could do it. I feel my playbook would be inventive. I've shown time and time again that I can beat the competition. Uh, I I the NFL is too locked into these rules of like punting on fourth down and stuff like that. <laughs> I go crazy. Because you know what? You see these teams, they go nuts. Like when they – I saw it from the Broncos where these teams, it's like fourth – it's third and three. They don't make it. And then the team's like, yeah, like the defenders are holding up their fist and whatever. And then when you see the alf, when you see the offense staying out there, the other team becomes so defeated. They just look – you just see that – you just see the fear in their eyes. And so with me – Wild card. You don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm never. I'm going whatever. I'm going to go, you know what? First and 10, I'm going to go punt formation. <laughs> punt formation, punt block D against you and see if you'll be able to stop all 11 of the guys before the quarterback can throw the football. That's like the early days of Madden when you do that. But, you know, it's third and nine. I'm going to play punt block D and see and what happens. Rush everybody. And see if it works. <laughs> Big punt pass was the best play in Joe Montana football. See, oh, <laughs> Christian oh, Glenn, our producer, getting in here. They need they need some new ideas in Cleveland. I think I can do it. I think I can bring a fret. They made fun of Chip Kelly last year, but I think I could go out and make the similar type impact with the Browns. And you know what? I I don't want to guarantee the NFC North or excuse me the AFC North, but you know what? Eight wins. I guarantee. No matter Browns, what division you play if in, if the Browns hire me today, we will get eight wins. <laughs> how? I don't know. I just feel I like thought, you know what? Bring back Romeo Cornell. Then I, I See feel like I feel like you. this is the NFL equivalent of little big league. You know, like we're just gonna. It is. It's like bringing Why? in. This is what they should do. Wait, wasn't that with the kid with the arm? Little no, that big was league? Rook, that was rookie of the year. Oh, rookie of right, the year. Right, Come right, on, okay. Jason. Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> was that the one with Jerry O'Connell? No, no, no. That was something different. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> twins, not cups. Yes, thank you. And here's the thing. Here's what you do. You want a money making? You always, you know, there, there's talk that the NFL may spin off the Thursday night football. No, no, no. Here's what we do: reality TV show to be the next coach of the Browns. Ooh, but no one would style. want it. They would offer it to people. People would say, "I don't want it." Bro, what about America's team? They came in second in the champion. America's. League. You know what? Yeah, why don't they? They could probably. You know, this what? is true. They want to be. You know, hey, we want to be more interactive. If every fan at the game gets to vote on the next play, what do you think attendance for the Browns games would be? Through the roof. Just to sit there and go and be like, but oh, do you yeah. have to be at the game, or can you just be at home on your phone? Nah, but nah, if you had a roof wanna... over the stadium, then you'd have a nice. Uh, you just link in all the things to, to the chairs. So I like how have you to be at the stadium. What other like modern technologies <laughs> do you not have on your house that I'm like? Like you, have, you have a restroom in your house. You have a roof over your house. Right? I, I do. Then why is it so ridiculous to think that there should be a roof over a stadium where you're hanging out? Well, because teams want to say this is our home field advantage where it's going to be cold and we're used to the elements. Yeah. It's, it, how did it work out for Green Bay this year? Right, they well, really. Doesn't they, guarantee you win. They really. No really, reason to play the game. Yeah. They really made the 49ers <laughs> look silly coming over and playing outdoor. It's ridiculous. Why not just be warm? Well, I was really concerned when they were going to build an open air stadium on the ice planet of Hoth. So that, that uh, could be a problem next year they did with their base they had too many open doors still worked out for them they somehow ended up pulling that whole thing out 
Yeah, you talked about new ideas, and, and something that's been big this offseason has been the idea. Maybe you've been paying attention, but the Pro Bowl is unconferenced this year. What? What? You know, everybody, you can, you can uh, vote for players regardless of conference, and now we have the big naming of the uh, Pro Bowl rosters coming up. Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice are picking the players. Fantasy-style draft, take anybody you want to. So let's throw this out there. If you're picking number one overall, you know the players, everybody is eligible players. Tom Brady is pulled out, players playing in the Super Bowl. Number one overall pick, who are you picking for your team? Are, you, are we counting Jamal Charles, who's one of the captains? Sure, you can count any, anybody, anybody you want. See, this is what they should do. Whoever wins between Dion and Jerry Rice coaches the Browns. <laughs> or whoever now, loses between Dion and Jerry these, Rice. Those guys are picking. Now, who are the actual coaches? Like, isn't it Drew Brees and Jamal Charles? It's like Drew Brees, their captains are Jamal Charles, Drew Brees, J.J. Watt, Watt, Robert Quinn. Yeah. Bobby Quinn. Yes. And, but if I, if everybody in the pool was eligible, it would be between McCoy and Charles. I'd go Charles, just because he scored 50 points for me in a fantasy league this year. And, uh, and I'm that kind of person. I, I lean towards the guys who got me there. I, I mean, that's the way I'll draft guys, guys who have ruined me. I'll never draft again. Steven Jackson will never be. Although, I, Steven Jackson came through for me in week 15, I think it was, this season. So I won't completely eliminate him. But guy, oh, like Trent Richardson, done forever. I don't care what he does. <laughs> but Jamal Charles now can never do anything wrong in my eyes. So I would go with him. He could do so much running the ball, catching the ball, and that's the big thing. That's the way the running backs are equipped now. We're going to see guys like Adrian Peterson will be a relic of the past, kind of like the fullback kind of like the blocking tight end tight ends who just block exclusively all the running backs in the future are going to be like Jamal Charles who do a lot of different things who can line up all over the field so he's the first guy I would go with all right Marcus who are you taking I think uh well from a fantasy perspective I think I take Jamal Charles but if we're talking just this pro bowl this unconference thing um I'm going Drew Brees I'm going Drew Brees because he seems like he cares. He loves the Pro Bowl. He loves the Pro Bowl. He cares. Not many guys right? do. Exactly. Like, you know, he can pick all these guys and, you know, they show up and, you know, they kind of go through the drills and, you know, it's like, eh, you know, I'm here in Hawaii and it's great. But, like, Drew Brees, <laughs> I feel like Drew Brees is the guy who walks around the hotel with his iPad with the playbook on it and is, like, studying and he's kind of figuring out audibles and this whole thing. And, you know, like, like I feel like he is really going to approach this game like it was another playoff game. So that's the guy I would take. Plus, yeah. the quarterbacks would love the Pro Bowl because they, nobody hits them. That's part of it. Yeah, like it's, it's it's basically passing league. They might as well be wearing a red jersey. So, of course, it's fun for him, <laughs> and he is legitimately trying. So, do you guys like this idea with, with the Pro Bowl moving forward? Is is this something that's going to help the the continued reviving of the Pro Bowl? Um, no. I, I look. I, I I just feel like because for for a lot of these guys, it's a vacation. It's it's. Um, yeah, I mean, we talk about it. How many guys don't care? How many guys choose to not be there? I mean, as soon as the, the Patriots lost, you knew Tom Brady wasn't going to show up at the Pro Bowl. Um, I mean, that's just kind of how he it didn't goes. show up for the AFC Championship game. Mm, yeah, oh, <laughs> you. Um, you know, so if it was indoors, though, they might have won. I've always it, felt. It been. I've always felt like you <laughs> name feels me. You name your Pro Bowl teams. Those guys get a bonus and they get a vacation to Hawaii or whatever with their families, and you know, you award them, you, you pat them on the back, you move on. I mean, the the idea of an all-star game this late in the season it just i don't know I, I don't know that it will ever have a whole lot of luster to it two things uh build a new aloha stadium they don't need a roof if that ever happens <laughs> uh i don't like that the pro bowl's before the super bowl because it's kind of like having spring break the week before finals 
Like, it was fun. The Pro Bowl's a fun event when it's after the season, when everything's just kind of done and everything, you know, everybody's having a good time. You don't have to worry about, like, I got to jump on a plane and go to New York and, and go to the Super Bowl and everything like that. And just have it as the final week and have it as a reward and have it as a game. Sorry, it won't be. It, it's not going to draw the ratings of the Super Bowl ever. And you're never going to caption that. It's never going to capture the imagination like the playoffs or anything like that. But still, it's a fun event. And if you've ever been to one, if you, especially the ones that have been in Hawaii, because I didn't go to the one that was in uh, in South Florida, but the ones that are in Hawaii, it's a great event. It's a lot of fun. Everybody who goes to the game has a good time. All the events leading up to the game are a good time. And I understand a lot of big-name people like Tom Brady don't like to go. You know what? Who cares? That's looking. It's, it's, it's akin to looking at the Evite to a party. And lamenting all the people who have clicked no. Well, you know what? If you want to click no, who cares? I don't. I don't. Tom Brady. If you don't want to play, fine. Alex Smith does, and I'm going to go watch him, and I'm going to go have a great time in Hawaii, and I'm going to enjoy it, and it's a nice event. And for those guys who really appreciate it, like Drew Brees and stuff, go out and play and have a good time, and then don't worry about who doesn't want to play. All the curmudgeons, like, fine, stay at home. Just stay in your Bel Air home and not win Super Bowls anymore and do what you got to do, Tom Brady. I'm going to go out and have a good time. You're not going to ruin my vacation. Like, it's fine. Like, I'll just go out and do what I got to do. I say keep it. Just put it back at the end of the season where it deserves to be. And uh, don't worry about it. It, it. It'll still draw more ratings than a lot of the stuff, a lot of the sports that you're putting on in February anyway. So don't worry about it. You're, again, you're overthinking things, trying to tweak things too much that don't really need to be tweaked. The Pro Bowl is good. It was fun. It was a great event. Still is a good event, but I would just put it back, and you're good. All right, there we go. There is the NFL Fantasy Live podcast for this week. All the news you need to know, fantasy projections for next season. We'll be back next week with our big Super Bowl preview edition. But, oh, oh, you will, be in, you will be in New York for the Super Bowl, Mr. Reich, wearing shorts in an open-air stadium. Let me. Uh, so now you need to give us your pick now. i got to do another soapbox issue. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. I'm kidding. I, uh... I can't. I can't really make the pick without seeing the weather. I really. I mean, I, it, it seems cold. simplistic. It's going to be cold. I don't think that it is. I think it's going to be sixty degrees. I think the, the, sixty the foot, degrees in the, February. The football gods York. are going to smile. Look, it was sixty. It was like seventy in Denver <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of January. Like anything is possible. But if it is cold, you know what? The thing that really stuck out to me, and you talk about body language and the way that the Patriots look listless out there. When Peyton Manning brings his entire family to Denver, when Cooper and Eli and Archie are crammed into a box at the uh, at the Invesco, wait, no, Sports Authority Field, that looked like that was Peyton's Super Bowl. Like he, this is my Super Bowl. This is it. I've I've proven everybody wrong. Well, you know, you really didn't, but I think he knows, and he saw the the writing on the wall. It's like I'm gonna have to go to a cold weather stadium. I'm gonna be playing Seattle. Or San Francisco, and you watched the way Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson, how they were able to extend plays by be, just being able to scramble out of the pocket. Peyton can't do that. He's going to be overwhelmed by that pass rush. The Seahawks are going to blow them out by 40. Wow. By 40? Nah, 36. Oh, well, that's not gutsy at all. Nah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it happened. It'll to, be 48 to 12. It happened to Peyton Manning in, in 2010. He had that phenomenal AFC championship game against the Jets, and he got a bounce in the Super Bowl against the Saints. And I, I can easily see that happening now. I mean, he's not going to play any better than he played against the Patriots. And you know, still, how many points? They didn't put up a ton of points. This is nowhere near what they're facing, what they faced a couple uh, last week with the Patriots defense and the Seattle Seahawks. So and if it, it's cold, too. Yeah. It's going to be hard. Denver's the favorite, but it's going to be it's fair, but it's going to be hard to pick Denver. Um, 
you guys are acting like the Seahawks are going to score a whole lot of points. Like, I, I just don't see them scoring. I, I know Percy the, Harvin's going to play. They're going to score 100. Percy Harvin will be hurt by <laughs> mid of the first quarter. I, I mean, look, the, the Broncos' defense is not as good as San Francisco's, but they have been playing a lot better in the postseason. And the, the Seattle offense has been uneven, to say the least. I mean, Russell Wilson uh, hasn't been great. His wide receivers are, uh, you know, a they're, they're less of a who's who and more of a who's that. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm one of those people who thinks that Denver will find a way to win. They have played really great team football, and everybody's focused on what Peyton Manning has done, but everybody has stepped up. The offensive line has played very well. Uh, he's gotten big plays out of his receivers. No Sean Moreno and Monte Ball have run the ball very well. I, I just feel like Peyton is the guy. He's obviously the face of this team, but they have really put things together, and they are playing as well as they've played all year. But it's like one of those jailbreaks, like those Super Bowls for, that used to be blowouts in the 80s. Is it's, it's not necessarily that the offenses are scoring so many points, but it's like the jailbreaks. Like when the Cowboys crushed the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. that one year, it was, you know, interception returns, fumbles inside the red zone and things like that that turned it into a, a huge blowout. And that's how I see that. I don't think that Russell Wilson's going to go out and throw five touchdown passes. But the defense will score a top couple. They'll play. They'll get enough short fields to allow them to go out and score. I would advise Demarius Thomas not to say anything about Richard Sherman in the next two weeks. <laughs> that's that's my advice to Demarius Thomas. We'll see you next week. NFL Fantasy Live podcast returns. Mr. Rank, have fun in New York. Oh, thank you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.